common sense. Oh my, how we need it, how we need it, and how available it is to everyone. It's very, very easy to get common sense. It's common sense. And we've been spending a couple of weeks on this. We're gonna finish up today because we're very excited about getting into next month's series on Instafam. And it's gonna be a series on the family. We're gonna cover a lot of great things. But let's close out today this thing about common sense. And we've talked about wisdom and really we're taking a study in the book of Proverbs. It's a giant book, it's just wonderful. I would suggest if you want to see your life changed, if you wanna head off a lot of situations that you don't need to go through, if you wanna learn a lesson before you learn a lesson, I would suggest the book of Proverbs. Just a daily diet of Proverbs will keep you straight. It's a book of contrast. Nearly the entire book says uh, the wicked, the righteous, the, 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 the fool, the wise man. It's just constantly contrasting one lifestyle to another. And uh, in Proverbs 3.21, it says, my child, don't lose sight of common sense. Really what it means is don't ignore common sense. Don't, uh, don't just shun and say, I got a better way. You know, sometimes we think we have a better way. And as a matter of fact, we're so void of common sense, it seems like some people think we are, that we have to have warning labels on nearly everything. Uh, we had a blow up swimming pool thing at our house. And I noticed on one side from far away, it, I thought it was some kind of design, but it wasn't. What it was was all the warnings about it. And, and I got up close and I began to read. It's like reading the Bible. I mean, it was, it went, it was endless of, of, of warning us about everything that could possibly happen with this rubber pool toy. And they're all kind of uh, uh, messages that we need to hear from that. I just wanted to show you a few. Go ahead, guys, if you would just, just throw up some of those for us and let's take a look at uh, common sense. Common sense. Caution, do not swallow a coat hanger. My, put a Wash inside out, remove child before washing. <laughs> My goodness. Do not use while sleeping. I always dry my hair while I'm sleeping, don't you? Put it in the next one. High spin speed. Do not put any person in this washer to reduce the risk of serious injury. Do not open the door when clothes are moving or water. Now that makes sense. But putting somebody in a washing machine? Not sure. Got any more? Put up, put up another one. Caution, this sign has sharp edges. Do not touch the edges of this sign. <laughs> well, somebody got to read this for me. I can't read this. Well, anyway, it was funny, whatever that is. I'm not sure what that is. Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw. Oh, come on, guys. Common sense. What else? Be certain fan blades have come to a complete stop before removing and replacing fans. Do not look into the laser with your remaining good. <laughs> I looked at the sun, man, like for hours. 
common sense. <laughs> How many of you know those were sort of made up just to make a point for you? Oh my, we got a lot of work to do in the next 26 minutes, don't we? <laughs> common sense. Proverbs chapter one tells us why Proverbs was written by Solomon, the king of Israel. He said their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple. So if you're simple, you're gonna get some insight. Knowledge and discernment to the young. Kind of adds together young and simple. I don't know if that's what God wanted, but anyway, probably is. Proverbs 21, 2 in the Amplified Bible says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs and tries the hearts. See, it's the point of view, it's the vantage point from where we're at deciding on what is wise and what is not. Proverbs 15, 14, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the food feeds on trash. And then Proverbs 19, 3 says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. My, my, my. We ruin our lives by our own foolishness. And so we're going to contrast this and we're going to look at what areas we can ruin and then we're going to finish it out with some wisdom. Uh, it's just a giant subject, folks, but what I'll do is that I'll just, I'll just jump them and then you run them, how's that? And uh, you have to study and get it on your own, really, and you can. But there, there, there are really three major areas we wanna deal with today. We, we had so many, but we said, let's see if we can find three that really matter in everyday life to see whether or not we can get a successful life or we're gonna ruin our life, a contrast. And the first area, first main area, first giant area is relationships. And, and you've heard us say that word uh, probably 5,000 times in the last 10 years. But I tell you, relationships can make or break your life. And many of you out here uh, have been through broken relationships that have really caused a lot of problems and, and th this is our goal. Our goal is to quit making mistakes in relationships. Quit making the mistakes in the relationships uh, and, and gain some wisdom on what to do. And there, there are areas of relationship. Can I just jump right out of the chute? Now, if you've got, if you've got your kids in here and uh, they could have been in the kids' ministry, just put your fingers in their ears because I want to talk about something real quick uh, and maybe you, you know, you'll explain to them later on. But I'll tell you something right now. One of the major problems in relationships today is sex. Sex is a major problem everywhere. It is a major situation. In good marriages, it's a problem with many people. Sexual immorality is rampant and has always been rampant, by the way. Immorality, in other words, a word, a Bible word like fornication, which we don't like to use because it's old school, but it means having sex outside of marriage. Before you get married, premarital sex is ruining marriages. Then there's adultery. It's almost like people just feel like that's an okay thing to do. But it's not an okay thing to do. It's not an okay thing to do to break your marital vows. It's not an okay thing to do to sneak around and have extramarital affairs. God wants you to stay true to your spouse, period. No exceptions. 
Well, she did me wrong. That's no exception. Well, he's not treating me right. That's no exception. Well, I was young, got married young, and I just want to be young again. I want to be a teenager. I want to be a college. I want to do, I want to go. Do, no, you can't. No, you made a vow. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Because it ruins, it ruins relationships later on. We do something and we don't, we don't get the, the, the judgment right then, the problem, but it surfaces 10 years later. Can't trust this, can't trust that. There's a problem here, sexual relationships. Then there's marriage and family. Did you know that we gotta quit making mistakes on who we marry? Now, listen to me. You may love him or her, but remember this, you have to live with him or her <laughs> for a long time. The guy says, we've been married 15 years. It feels like 40. You see, you get infatuated with their looks or their style, but let me tell you something. You gotta live with that person for a long time. And they have faults and failures and we're all messed up. And we feel like somehow or another, we're gonna jump into a marriage and all of a sudden when we say, I do, it's all done. It ain't all done, it just begun. You, got, you know, you, you gotta quit making mistakes on who you marry. And, and let me tell you how to do that. Quit jumping in with all of your emotions and all of your heart the first time somebody shows you a little attention. He's slick on the outside, but boy, on the inside, he has a situation. Business is another thing. I'm just throwing these things out. I cannot expound on all of them. Business, dishonest or lazy business partners. Let me say this to you. If you decide to in any way, shape, or form go into partnerships with somebody, you want to watch the character, not the level of success. Did you hear what I said? Don't get in cahoots with somebody just because they're successful. You better know their character because sooner or later their character will come out. And they may be conniving good enough and they may be good at it to where they survive all the pitfalls of bad character, but you will be a pawn in their game and lose your hard-earned money and your reputation. Watch who you connect with in business and life. And then with church, these are all relationships. Church, uh, what's up with all the offense in church? Man, you know, it's like getting offended. What's up with that, man? Come on, where's the grace of God? Where's the power of the Holy Spirit? Where's the love of Jesus? Man, cut people slack. You know what? I just decided I don't want to get offended no more. I like I'm out of offense. I've done spin it all. I'm done. When you try to offend me, I reach down in my pocket to get offense and like there's nothing there. It's like I can't be offended. Offense, people leaving churches, uprooting the kids who love their friends and who are having a great time and even maybe be growing towards Christ. And they're like, I'm mad because they didn't seat me. The usher said over there and I want it over there. And you know, and so let's go. Purse on the arm, like, you know. And, and don't ever think about the ramifications of that you planted your heart and your life in a local church and your kids love it and you've been helped. You know, I was, I was meditating on this last night and I realized that there are many of you 
who local churches have literally saved your life. Now, I know Jesus saves our life, absolutely. But I also know this, that Jesus and the local church is synonymous. I'm telling you, but we're the body of Christ. And the church has saved so many lives. So many marriages and families have stayed together because they found gravity in a local church that preached the gospel, that taught the word of God, and that had people around them that supported them in their problems. The church, we need to stay stuck real good. The second thing about ruining lives, money ruins lives. Relationships cause problems, money ruins lives, folks. Investments, get rich quick schemes. I'll tell you what, you'll get poor real quick. Many people fail trying to get rich quick. Man, when money comes quick, I wonder how quick it's gonna leave. The Bible teaches that money has, wealth has wings and it will fly away. I mean like, and gone. Flew away this week for a lot of people. Spending, when your outgo is more than your income, sooner or later you're gonna be ruined. You cannot keep spending more going out than you bring in. You've got to stop it. It'll ruin your financial reputation. Waste is another thing. Spending on stuff you don't really need. 10 years ago yesterday, Katrina hit the coast and really devastated us. And one thing Katrina taught us, she taught us it, it, there's no gender to us. It taught us. It taught us what we don't need. It taught us what we do not need so you can learn something from everything but there's so much waste and just you you know it's like uh, it's I got a lot now so I'm going to spend it all no that's not wise it's not wise to do that money problems cause many problems in marriages and we're going to deal with that next month in the InstaFam series the third area of ruin where so many people get ruined is just plain sin can I, is, is that word still permissible in the church? Just plain sin, embracing sin rather than combating sin that is all around us. We live in a very wicked world. Sin, you just have to turn one degree to the right or to the left and you can find sin. You don't have to go hunting for it. It's everywhere. It's crouching at the door. It's like a cat wanting to come in. When you open the screen door, sin is there. Idleness is part of sin. Idleness, idleness says, I'm content. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to grow anymore. I don't have to go deeper with God. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to just hang out. And that causes a lot of people to ruin. When you talk to people who backslide, and I really don't have to talk to people who backslide because I know how to backslide. It's so subtle. It's so slowly. Give a little here, give a little there, stop a little here, stop a little there, back off a little bit here, stop God a little bit here, and that area over here, that area over here. Don't get convicted over here, just keep backing up, backing up, until finally, you know what happens? You just keep backing up, and all of a sudden, you were in the light, and now you're in the gray areas, and you're in the shadow, and it's just like, well, whatever, and you just keep backing up, it's just okay, all of a sudden, and next thing you know, next thing you know, you can't hear God, you don't know where God is, you wonder where he is, and all of a sudden, You don't hear his voice anymore. And eventually, he's not there anymore. That is exactly how you backslide. It's not some big deal. It's not one big offense. It's not one big problem. Problems cannot make someone backslide. 
Failure to escape the temptation when the Holy Spirit gives you the way out will ruin your life. God knows what's wrong, and he wants to lead us in what is right. You see, because there's a God way, God's best way to do things, that there is a way that seems right to us, but then there is the God way. And the God way will lead us to a successful life. Now, I don't know if you're into successful living, but I am. I like to live peaceful, quiet, working with my own hands, minding my own business. Come on now. Love my God and love my family and love my church and love the people of God and love the world and just live a peaceable life. The Bible says to do that. The Bible says to work with your own hands. The Bible says to pray for those that are in authority that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. And so there's God's way, and, and that's, that's where I want to land this thing today. Now, let's spend some time on God's way because we know how to ruin things. We don't need any help in that area, but when it comes to looking at God's way, I believe the God way is in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Now, don't turn me off when I, talk, when I start talking about the power of the Holy Spirit because you got power, but you need the power of God to walk in God's ways. Jesus said it this way in John 16 and verse 13. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide. The word guide there means he will show you the way. He will show you the way you, uh, uh, and guide you into all truth. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He will tell you about the future. The Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the guide, the great God, guide, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity will guide you in decisions and will tell you when to go and when to stop. He will do that. Now, it's not like, you know, the Holy Spirit's got to tell you whether to buy Cheerios or Raisin Bran. Don't get weirded. But watch, he will tell you when that individual has wrong motives and he will tell you to back off of that individual. Don't go in that business deal. Don't go to that meeting with those people. Stop here and wait here. He will do that. And he is 100% accurate. Anytime we miss the mark, it's us who misses the mark. The Holy Spirit never misses the mark. So in relationships, the relationships, I'm just going to cover these three areas right again, contrasting. The relationship of the person who is walking in the God way, who is being shown the proper way, the relationships, they make you better. Relationships make you better. Proper relationships make you better. And I want to give you four ways uh, to kind of get a hold to a, a proper relationship. I mean, something that's going to make you a better person. You say, well, I'm married to somebody. They ain't making me better. Well, you know, uh, after next month uh, in the Insta Family Series, we're going to fix everything on your wagon, and you just go right down the highway of life without any kind of squeaking or wobbly wheels. But watch this. You have to discover, you have to discover proper relationships. And God's going to give you the ability to do this. You have to discover things. Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Unreliable friends. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
I, I, I was, you know, every Saturday night I just prepare quietly. I just kind of look over everything. I make little notes. So I made a little note here to help you understand this, to help you remember this. You got <laughs> you to gotta discover a brother. You understand, you got to discover. That means you've got to take time. That's kind of fruity, but that's all right. You got to take time. You're not going to forget to discover a brother. But you understand, you have to take time to form proper relationships. What's up with thinking you're married after you went on two dates with somebody? You don't even know their mama. You have to discover a true friend. It takes work. It takes time to discover somebody who's worthy to be my friend. And once you discover that person, you move to the second stage, which is you have to establish a relationship. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffer harm. Walk with means to establish. It means to build. So you have to walk with somebody for a while before you become their best, best buddy in the whole wide world. Let me tell you, insecure people find best friends quickly, every day. Little kids, our little three-year-old granddaughter, she, they're already into, she's my best friend. Today, she's my best friend, but then, oh, she's not my best friend. I'm her best friend, but today, I'm, tomorrow, I'm not. I'm not you know, you know, best friends, best friends. And it, it goes on in the adolescence. My friends, my friends, my friends, my friend. I, I would suggest you start saying, my friend, like, find one. Let's start with one good friend. Let's establish a relationship. It takes time to establish relationships. And then you have to maintain them. And here's where you really need the grace of God. To maintain relationships. Proverbs 27, 17, and you all know it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I'm wondering when's the last time somebody in your friendship realm struck you in a way that caused a lot of sparks. I wonder when the last time a friend called you out on something and said, why are you doing that? Man, what were you doing over there? Why are you hanging there with them? What's up? When's the last time somebody called you out and sharpened your life? A true friend will call you out. We'll say, man, let me help you. You're headed in the wrong direction. But you know what I have found? Oh, it's so sad. We really need to work on this, that anytime somebody corrects somebody, the other person just said, well, who, who do you think you are? Well, or they'll just right back at you with a fault of yours. Well, what about you? No, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. <laughs> to maintain relationships. To truly maintain relationships within the marriage and other places, man, there are going to be some sparks fly. And just because sparks fly does not mean that we have a problem. It may mean that something good is happening. When I sharpen my shovel, a lot of sparks fly. I eat up a lot of metal. But I'll tell you something, when it comes time to dig the hole, I work a lot less. You got to let somebody sharpen you. And that's what happens in true relationships. And let me tell you what will happen. When you get married, all you who want to get married, you can't wait to get married. I get, oh, here comes the bride, here comes the bride, you know, and, 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 and three weeks later, it's like, I don't know what he wants, and he just don't know what I want, and I can't communication and conflict. 
Can we read a book, please? I've been married 44 years. Don't tell me nothing much about marriage. We've explored every crevice, every nook, every crumb under every couch. We know it. And we love each other. And anyway, Jan's coming to the second service and she's not here to say anything about that, but she's probably watching live stream right now, honey. Hi. Love you, baby. Come on now. Number two. Money. Let's talk about money for a second. Man, you know, one time somebody told me there's two things you don't mess with, somebody's money and somebody's children. I said, you don't mess with that. You don't mess with money, you don't mess with children. But let me tell you about money. And I'm going to start right where it hurts. I'm going to talk about giving. I'm going to talk about giving. Giving of the tithe, giving of the offering, giving to God, giving him the first fruit. Watch Proverbs Chapter 3, verse 9 says, honor the Lord. You say, I want to honor the Lord. This is how you honor the Lord. With your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increases. This is how he says to honor the Lord. It's one of the ways. You know, giving of your substance. Giving is an amazing thing. And some people will not give. Some people refuse to give. And there's various reasons why. Some it's fear. Some it's greed. Some of it's I just don't care. Some of it I just want to take, but I don't want to give. There are various reasons. You know, I want to commend you who give because um, we borrowed $750,000 for the Long Beach campus uh, in June of last year, and we've already paid back $300,000 as of today. And it's been because people give. But you know what's greater than that? You say, well, why did we spend so much money? We spent so much money because last Sunday there was 409 people hearing the gospel in the city of Long Beach. And that's why we did it. Look, it took a lot of work. It took an enormous amount of work from volunteers in the church. You know what we did. And and to handling all the construction and all the financing and all the things that it took in the training to get the teams up and going night after night to where it was a success. And it has been, and I believe it's going to grow to be probably double of this, and we're going to be all excited about it. Come on now. So giving is so important, but not only giving of the tithe, but also giving to the poor. Listen, folks, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19 that if you help the poor, not the lazy, but if you help those that are dangling, those that are just about in ruin, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. So we not only give of our tithe to the Lord, we give to the poor, like the food pantry. That's part of what we do. And I don't know if you've ever been so hungry that you needed to go knock on a door to get some canned goods and some spaghetti, but people do it every day in our community. And we take part of the money that you give, that I give, that we give, and we give it to people who are on the front lines doing that part of ministry. You see, the local church doesn't have to do every single solitary thing, close the room and have all this kind of thing. We just support others that are doing it. And we're so glad that they do. You have to give, folks. Be a generous person. You say, well, I don't have a lot. Well, that's not, it's nothing to do. It has nothing to do with how much you have. It has everything to do with how big your heart is to give. Amen? Amen. It always gets quiet when we talk about giving. Can I have five people in here who've tied for the last 20 years? Clap your hands. 
just wanted to know. Just wanted to know. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. With money, you also have to be diligent. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, Take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. I watch squirrels in my backyard. They do the same thing. They gather acorns when they fall from the tree and they bury them all over my backyard. And they're always finding them. I don't know how they know where they are, but they find them and they eat them. I don't, not just when, they eat them all the time. They dig in my yard up right now. But they're smart because they know when the acorns fall twice a year, sometimes, sometimes once a year, and sometimes not for two years, but yet they never go hungry because they have acorns to eat. And when they don't have acorns to eat, they eat our cat food or they eat our bird feed. <laughs> We're feeding the whole flock of the neighborhood of wild beasts. You have to be diligent. You have to work hard. You have to work hard for a long time. Listen, all you millennials, all you, all you high school students, you got to work hard. You got to work hard. I've been working since I'm 11 years old. You got to work hard every day. You work hard until you can't work no more. That's when you retire. When I retire, when you can't work no more. Quit shooting. I, I was sitting around the table with some young men not long ago, and they were like in their early 20s, like 20. And they, you know what they were talking about? Retiring. They're talking about retiring. I thought, you haven't even started yet. If you want to retire, you have to be diligent with money. You have to be a planner. Proverbs 21, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty, hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. Planning and hard work. Doing things right. Have a plan. I, I, I heard a pastor say one time, he said, you know, I, 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 I never missed a tithe in, in 40 years, but I violated every other principle of God's word concerning money and went broke three times. It's amazing. The plan, the plan is the budget. You hate that word? It's not a four-letter word. It's a six-letter word. A budget. In other words, Budget. You hate it, but it'll set you free. Insurance, life insurance for you fathers especially. Life insurance is very important. You should plan. Nobody plans to die, but when you die, your wife needs money. Your kids need money. Amen? Come on, especially young people. You can get a million dollars for two bucks or something like that. <laughs> Savings, we should save. I know we don't want to save, but we should save. My wife used to beg me fuss at me, get mad at me and say, could we save a dollar a week? Maybe. And I say, ah, well, I wish I'd have saved a dollar or five or 10 a week back 44 years ago. Retirement. You got to plan for your retirement. And by the way, planning for retirement, folks, is not lack of faith. Because if you have a goal in mind and you don't have a plan, you're just wishing and hoping. And reality is going to smack you in the face one day. And you're going to say, boy, I wish I would have planned better. It's all about money, planning. And then sin. And I'm getting ready to finish with you. You have to recognize sin. 
Look, sin is around all of us and we're all susceptible to it. We're all tempted in many ways. Temptation is not sin. I know in our church, we think temptation is sin. We get guilty because we have a bad thought or we think about something or we, you know, uh, temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted. We will be tempted. That is not sin, but we need to recognize sin. Proverbs 22, three says, the prudent see danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Wise people see the danger and say, you know what? I'm not getting involved with that woman. I'm not going to lunch with that secretary. I'm not getting in the car with that woman. I'm not talking on the cell phone. I will not text that man. He's not my husband. I'm not texting him. I'm not going to be Facebook friends with him, just friends with him. You're not just being friends with an old boyfriend on Facebook. You're carrying on a psychological affair, and it's going to blow you up. It's blowing people up all over the place. The Holy Spirit is going to help you recognize what is sinful for you. Big point here, don't never forget, never forget this. Don't ever, ever forget this. It's not about what is sin for somebody else. It's about what is sin for you. What is sin for you? Because God may take something that is not really sinful and tell you don't do it. And if you do it, it's sin to you. You understand that? What's good for one is not good for all. And what one can do, not all can do. All may be able to do it, but one may not be able to do it. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. God's way says, I don't want you to do that. And when you've got the pullback on that, you should pull back on that. No matter if 10 are going forward with it, you should pull back. And don't criticize those who have strong convictions about something and you don't have strong convictions about it. Now, there are some things that we know just wrong. You can't murder anybody. You shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. You shouldn't steal people's money. You know, but there are other things that God say, I don't want you to drink Coca-Cola. When we first got saved, God told me, I heard him. He said, put your camera under the bed in the case and don't take it out until I say so. So for one year, I didn't touch my camera. Is there anything wrong with the camera? Nothing. Anything wrong with taking pictures? No. But God was showing me and teaching me something. Because if you will not obey, don't drink a Coca-Cola or don't take a picture, how are you going to obey, pack up your family and move to another city? Quit your job and preach the gospel. God tests little bitty things, insignificant things. But if I don't do it, it's sin to me. You have to resist sin. Proverbs 4.14 don't do as the wicked do and, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. You have to keep moving from sin. You have to leave it and you have to keep moving. You have to keep going. You have to resist it. When we were training our dog one time, the trainer said, put him on a leash. And every time he sniffed something, yank the leash and say, leave it. And just don't ever stop doing that until finally... You don't have to do anything. They leave it automatically. And I think the Holy Ghost is saying to some people, just leave it. Just leave it. Resist that thing and leave it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run from everything that stimulates useful lust and pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companion of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. One of your best ways to resist sin is hang with people who convict your life of sin. You have to recognize it, you have to resist it, and now you have to recover from it. Sin is so devastating. Proverbs 28, 13 says, people who conceal their sins 
will not prosper, will not be successful. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. What's the formula? When you've been down in sin and it's, it's really eating your lunch. Whether you are a follower of Christ who have not gone the way of God or whether you're a person who has never chosen God like I was, sin tears a person's life up and leads to death. It's not your friend. It may make you feel good for a while, but it will turn on you eventually. And if not in this life, it will definitely turn on you in the life to come. You have to confess your sin to God because only God can forgive sin. And then you have to repent of your sin, which means that you turn away from it. You actually turn away from it. Then you receive God's mercy and cleansing, and that happens instantly. When you confess your sin, God cleanses you instantly. It's wonderful. Your soul has a problem with it for a while, your emotions, but I'll tell you what, God instantly. And then you have to get up and keep going even if there are negative consequences of your sin you may have to reap a harvest of something you planted don't worry there's grace enough to harvest the the problems and God's grace will carry you through that into a brand new and living way so no matter where you are today we have got to get up today there there's got to be a time where we rise up and say you know what I'm going to put on some common sense from God's word. And I'm going to stop doing some of the things that are causing me such failure. I'm going to be clothed with Christ and things are going to be different. I think it's time to get up. What about you? To just rise up, stand up, if you know what I'm talking about, in Jesus and say, come on now. Things are going to be different. I'm going to live a successful life from this day forward. Let's bow our heads together right now. Success, such a big word, such a word people have given their whole life in chasing it, climbing the ladder of success, when in fact there is no ladder to climb. There's only a place to humble ourselves before God. If you're in this place right now and that illustration I gave of backing away from God in the darkness. If you're a believer and you found yourself there and you know that you once were on fire, you know that. No one needs to tell you the Holy Spirit's been prodding you for a long time. Now it's time for you to just get along with God right now. Come on, get along with God. Go ahead and seek him again. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him you've left him. That's right, just go ahead and just, he's right there, he's your father. And there's mercy waiting for you. Confess your sin. Just say, I've not, I've not been what I need to be, Lord God. I've not honored you with my life. I've been, I've been mad at you. Some foolishness in my life. Failures that came my way. I blamed you for them. Will you go ahead and just lay all that down? You're a believer. Come on. You're a child of God. You're no longer a slave to fear. Come on. Just lay that down. He's going to open up the waters and you can pass right through them. 
while every head is bowed, one more group of people I want to talk to in here, and that's you who your relationship with God is not there. You haven't found him yet. You haven't been found by him. You, you just, but you're here in this place, and that shows that you're seeking God because no one comes to church unless they're seeking after God. We still come to church to seek God. If you're in this room right now and you have never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe it was a long time ago when you was a little bitty kid in a Sunday school class somewhere, but it really didn't count for anything. You never had a change in your life, no power to resist, no power to succeed. But you say, Pastor Van, today is the rest of my life. Today is the first day. Today is the day where I nail a stick in the ground and I say, I'm serving Jesus. I want to pray for you who believe that right now, right where you are. I'm only going to ask you to just shoot your hand up and put it down if you're in this room. Come on now. You say, yes, ma'am, right here, right here. Come on. Just raise your hand up put it right back down and say, I need Jesus. Thank you, ma'am. Come on. Yes, sir. Come on. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That's right, sir. Just raise that hand up. Thank you so much. Time to go ahead and stand up. I mean, get up and say, Jesus, you're my only hope. Anybody else, your life has fallen to pieces. You're in, you're in all kind of trouble right now. Just shoot your hand up and say, Jesus, have mercy. That's right, yes, sir. Have mercy on me. Come on, right here, right now, you who raised your hand. We're all gonna pray with you right now. Let's all just pray together, just encouraging those who raised their hand. Just say these words after me. I'm just leading and helping. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I confess my sin. I've been separated from you. But I want that to change today. I want to become your child today. I want my sin removed. And I want to be made righteous. I want to be successful as you count success. So I give you my life today. I turn from my old life. I embrace a brand new life today. And I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Thank you, guys. Come on, Pastor KC. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv slash connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.